and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures, with today being a little bit different. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Welcome to another special. It feels like there have been loads this year, but I hope you still think that they are actually special. This one is even more. It's our 100th episode, if you can believe it. And I thought it would be a good plan to mark the occasion with an actual special episode. And this one is a bit different than our normal specials as well. Before I begin, though, I just want to say a massive thank you to all of you for listening. I really appreciate every single one of you for sharing, getting in touch and just tuning in every week to hear me ramble about monsters. I started the podcast as a way to release creative energy and it's really helped me with that and I really hope you've enjoyed learning about these monsters as much as I have. I'm so touched and humbled to be getting even to 100 episodes, let alone the amount of people listening to them each week, which ticked over to 50k downloads last week, which is crazy. I'm truly motivated by your ongoing kindness and willingness to join me on this adventure, so thank you so, so much again. Now, before I start crying and doing an Oscar-style speech, let's get on to the topic of the week. We are actually doing something really different this week for this special, and actually something I've actively avoided and said that we're never going to cover, and that is a hero specialisation. We're going to be focusing on the labours of Heracles this week, but let me get into what that means on this podcast. What we're going to do is cover the labours and the monsters in which he fights within this episode. I'm not going to focus on Heracles himself because that's not what this podcast is. You may notice that some of the labour monsters have been covered by their own episode, but we're going to do a summary of each monster so that they're still open to their own episodes later down the line if they've not already been covered. So think of this as a shorter summary episode of all those monsters, almost like a top 10 chart format, so it will be a little bit different from our normal structure. However, I will say it is necessary for me to do a quick summary of the myth and who Heracles was, so bear with me on this one, we have to cover all the bases of everyone's speciality in mythology and how much people know. I do, in turn, have to talk about Heracles quite a lot, so get ready for a little bit of something a bit different. The myth goes like this. The legendary Heracles, or Hercules as he is more popularly known, was the son of the Greek god Zeus and Alcmene, a woman on the very much mortal plane. Hera, Zeus's wife and queen of the gods, was immensely jealous of all of Zeus's exploits, especially when they resulted in offspring. Initially, she sent two snakes down to kill Heracles in his crib, but the child was so strong that he managed to strangle them with his bare hands. I'm gonna say it, I don't know where a snake's neck starts and where it ends, so I don't even know how he managed to strangle them, but I digress. Annoyed at this triumph, Hera partnered up with her chosen hero, Eurystheus, king of Tyrans, and has started a wicked plan with him to sort out the mighty hero. Now, the myth gets divided here. Sometimes it's that Heracles first gets married to his first wife Megara and has children, then murders them in a rage induced by Hera. The other version is that he does this after the labours, but most of the time it is considered a punishment for the murder. He'll do the labours 
to atone for this. The best way I think about them is he kills the kids and wife first and then is indebted to Eurystheus and has to perform the labours. Either way, the kids and wife die all the time. Meg is not the princess in this story. So he's indebted to Eurystheus because he was on his land, and so he sets him ten labours to redeem his crime, which are all planned by Hera. Originally, it was ten labours. However, Eurystheus didn't believe that two of the labours were performed correctly, due to involvement of another cousin, Iolus, in the labour, so he added another two. Heracles does perform all twelve labours and gains his immortality in the end, sometimes sailing off with the Argonauts and their hero Jason, sometimes just going off and dying somewhere, but that's a whole other story. Now the bit that you're actually interested in this podcast for, the monsters. I will say that to save time on the origin of these monsters, all of them either originated from this myth or a very, very same time Greek myth beforehand, so they're all extremely ancient in terms of their history, and if they have their own episodes, they'll be explained in more detail there. Now, the Twelve Labours, just as a summary, were to kill the Nemean Lion, to kill the Linnaean Hydra, capture the Cyrenian Hind, capture the Iromathian Boar, clean the Aegean Stables, kill the Stymphalian Birds, capture the Cretian Bull, capture the Mares of Diomedes, obtain the Girdle of Hippolyta, capture the cattle of Gerion, pick a golden apple of the Hesperides, and capture Cerberus, guardian of the underworld. The first of these labours was to kill the Nemean lion, which was a massive lion that was terrorising the city of Nemea. It was told that someone had to kill this beast in 30 days to satisfy Zeus, and make the lion leave them alone, otherwise town folk would have to be sacrificed instead. This lion was suspected to be the offspring of the titans Typhon and Echidna, who most of our big Greek monsters originate from. However, the lion was raised by Hera herself. In terms of powers, the Nemean lion was at least double the size of an average lion and had an impenetrable hide with claws sharper than any mortal sword, so it was pretty scary to come up against. After hunting the beast for 29 days, Heracles eventually found it and shot at it with arrows, only to have them bounce off the beast's hide. He forced the monster back into the cave and smacked it around the head with his clubs, before strangling it to death. Casual. He then skinned the lion with its own claws and carried it back on the 30th day to Eurystheus. He kept the skin with him as a cloak as it was pretty useful. It was impervious to the elements and was practically indestructible, so the lion was pretty non-ferocious and a very common one-off monster within Greek myth. There were no other lions with these powers, at least within these stories, and that's honestly about it on this one. It's a pretty short and sweet beginning to this wonderful Monstrum collection. The next monster up to be killed was the Linnaean Hydra. This monster lived in Lake Lerna and had a dragon-like body with massive, many serpentine heads. With a highly toxic blood and breath, the most impressive power of the Hydra was its ability to regrow its heads, with two growing in the place of the one. It again was the offspring of Typhon and Echidna, and was raised by Hera herself again. Heracles covered his mouth and nose as he entered the Hydra's lair, and at this point had a companion, his nephew Iolus, who did the very same. They start the fight by chopping off all the heads of the Hydra, only to find them regrowing once they had done so, facing a million and one heads. After hours, 
Iolus figured out that they could take a torch and start cauterizing the wounds before they could regenerate, and it would eventually kill the beast. And so it did. Another important note here is that they dipped their weapons in the Hydra blood for usage in other labours, which come up a million times within this story, and it will come with consequences for not only the hero, but also his companions within this story too. The Hydra is a monster that is beloved by Greek mythology nerds like me, and is definitely one of the defining parts of my childhood within the Disney movie Hercules. However, it's only got the one mention in mythology, and there is only one by all accounts. I've already done an episode on the Hydra, so you should check that out if you want to hear more details about this monster. Next up, it's not actually a kill quest, which is nice. It's to catch the Cyrenaean Hind. A Hind is a female deer, however, this deer was the most beautiful you would ever see. It was larger than a bull, with a spotted hide and had gold antlers and bronze hooves. It could also breathe fire and is one of the fastest things on the planet. These deer were apparently naturally occurring within ancient Greece, rather than monsters themselves, and there were only five of them. Deer were a sacred animal to the goddess Artemis, who is a much lesser mentioned god within mythology to a great shame a virgin hunter goddess who allowed the five hinds to pull her chariot. She allowed one of her hinds to escape to be one of Heracles' labours, and it ended up settling in the city of Serenea, to the anger of local farmers who would be chased from the land. The hind was so exceptional and treasured by Artemis that Heracles knew that he could not kill the creature. Therefore, he spent a whole year trying to capture it, which he ended up doing with a net whilst it was sleeping. He then explained to Artemis and her twin brother Apollo what he was doing with it, and returned it to Eurystheus alive. The Hind aren't really mentioned again other than as chariot drivers for Artemis in mythology, which is a bit of a shame, I think. The fourth labour was to capture the Euromanthian boar, named after its location once again. The beast was a massive, shaggy boar, who was apparently rabid and massively aggressive. There's no origin within the myth for this monster, it's believed that actually, it was just a really abnormally large normal boar. So, they would have been around anyway, I will say that boars are very dangerous, so I suppose it's a monster in its own right, but not anything that Heracles would particularly find an issue. Heracles chased the boar around, shouting, and ended up trapping it within the snow of the Erymanthus Mountains before binding it in chains, and popping it over his shoulder and bringing it back to Tyrion's, where Eurystheus was so scared of it that he hid in a very large pot. And this picture is depicted in so many Grecian artworks. I really recommend looking up just Eurystheus in pot. As I said, the boar was probably just a normal boar, so there's no mention of any monstrous backgrounds or kin of this one. So a bit boring if you ask me. I think this one is the weakest labour. The labour after this did not include a monster, so I will skip it, but in summary, the fifth labour, he had to clean a poopy stable of cows, he chose to direct a river through it so that it would happen, that's about it. Number six were the Stymphalian birds. These were little brutes, and again, pets of the goddess Artemis, but raised by Erez, the god of war. These birds were raven-sized, with beaks made out of bronze, and sharp metallic feathers that they could shoot out at their prey, as well as poisonous poop. But most importantly, they had a taste for human flesh, which unfortunately is a bit of a theme throughout this myth. 
They lived in the marshes in Stymphalia, where they were very difficult to get to due to the swampy conditions. Heracles found himself in that exact situation, and Athena, goddess of wisdom, blessed him with a crotala, or castanets in other words, to startle the birds out of their nests. Once they had flown, Heracles shot a good few of them with his poison-tipped arrows from the Hydra and took their bodies back to Eurystheus. The remaining birds will fly off to Eretius, the island, where years later the Argonauts would be plagued by them too. Now the next labour was to catch the Cretian bull, which if you've listened to the Minotaur episode, you might actually remember. It was a beautiful, pure white bull blessed to King Minos from Poseidon, god of the sea. However, it was cursed to have Queen Pasiphae of Crete fall in love with it, and she went on to have the actual minotaur, Asterius, with said cow. After this happened, the bull went on a rampage through Crete by uprooting crops and destroying orchards, apparently possessed by Poseidon's rage. Heracles was sent to capture the bull, and did so fairly easily, and returned to Tiryns with it over his shoulders. However, it did run off to Marathon, where it was then later killed by Theseus, another hero and demigod, as a sacrifice before he killed its son, the Minotaur itself. The next labour is possibly my favourite, capturing the mares of Diomedes. These were giant horses, which were only really monstrous by the diet that they were fed, which was human flesh. See the theme? These monsters were unable to be calmed unless they had been fed a person, and were also apparently able to breathe fire when they got too riled up. How did this happen, I hear you ask? Their owner, Diomedes, would feed them guests that he had stolen from and murdered, so they developed a taste for it. Heracles brought a gang of people to help him with this labour, and eventually managed to break them free of their bronze chains and take them down to the sea, leaving them with a companion, Abderus, whilst he fought Diomedes, not knowing they were man-eating. He returned with the body and found his friend being munched on, so in revenge threw Diomedes' body to them, which apparently permanently satisfied their hunger for flesh. He returned them to Eurystheus, who dedicated the horses to Hera, and then let them roam freely around Argos, apparently eventually helping Alexander the Great and his conquest in Persia and Egypt. Now, a quick mention of the ninth labour, it was to retrieve the girdle of Hippolyta, who was the queen of the Amazons. The Amazons were a demigod race of women with demigod-like powers, please see Wonder Woman's history and origin, but in no way were they monsters in this story, so I'll do a whole episode on them at some point, but we don't need to bring them into this one. However, Heracles did get that girdle, and on the way home he found himself between Scylla and Charybdis, a monstrous pair of female monsters living across from each other on the Strait of Messina. Scylla was half-woman, half-dog, with a female torso, and beneath her belt, heads of ravenous dogs. Charybdis was basically a whirlpool monster of teeth, which crushed boats passing through their strait. It's actually the origin term of between a rock and a hard place, and most people took the Scylla route to avoid killing all of their crew in Charybdis's teeth. Heracles took the Scylla route and decided to actually kill her as he passed, cutting off the dog's heads where the thighs should be. However, she was eventually brought back to life by her dad, Phorkis, a sea god, so it is only a quick mention, and she does appear again. I have done an episode on them both, so you can get more information there, 
they're technically not the ninth labour monster, but they kind of count, so it's worth a mention. The next labour was to capture cattle from the monster Gerion, who was a giant with three heads and six arms. He was actually the grandson of the Gorgon Medusa and son of Cryosaur, who sprung from Medusa's decapitated body when she was beheaded by Perseus. He heard Heracles coming as he killed his two-headed dog Orthrus beforehand, and so he armed himself and went to face his foe. Heracles then pretty much immediately shot him with a poisoned hydra arrow straight through his forehead, taking the cattle for himself. Now there was nothing particularly special about these cattle, but Heracles herded them all the way back to Tyrion's, not without some issue on the way though. Some of the cattle were stolen by another giant Calchas, who made the cows walk backwards to trick the hero, but it didn't work, and Heracles just murdered him instead. Then Hera sent a gadfly to scatter the cattle, and it took Heracles a year to find them all, so then she sent a flood, and he had to fill a whole river with rocks so that he could reach his destination with the cows. But he got there and handed them in. Now, technically the monsters in this labour are the giants, the two giants in this labour, but there are so many more than Greek mythology. Giants are not rare, Cyclopses are not rare, including the stories of other big heroes that we'll save for another time, but it's super interesting. I like looking at the giants. Now, at this point, technically, the ten labours were done, but Eurystheus believed that Heracles cheated by getting help on the Hydra with Iolus and the stables because he used a river to clean them. So he sent him for two more, just to finish it off. So number 11 was retrieving three golden apples of the Hesperides. These were guarded by technically two monsters, one being the giant Antaeus, who was completely invincible so as long as he touched the earth, his mother, the titan Gaia. So Heracles, being super wise apparently, picked him up and crushed him in a bear hug, which is a pretty rough way to go. However, Antaeus was just another giant, we've kind of already talked about them, so I won't linger on him at this point. The main monster here was Ladon, a multi-headed dragon who guards the apples. He was also a son of Phorcus and of Ceto, making him a brother to Medusa and the Gorgons and also Scylla. Ceto was just another big titan monster. This dragon is wrapped around the tree to guard it, and in some versions of the myth isn't even mentioned at all. In one version though, Heracles kills it with one of his poisoned arrows, as usual, and the next day the Argonauts turn up and see its still twitching body. In other myths, Atlas the Titan holding up the sky retrieves the apple whilst Heracles takes up his mantle for a time. This type of multi-headed dragon though comes up a few times in Greek myth, but most notably here and the Hydra. This was a pretty simplistic labour though, I think he was quite happy with this one, and he managed to get the apples and return them. We're at the last one though, hooray! The last labour was probably the most intimidating, it was to capture Cerberus, the guardian of the underworld, and Hades, god of the dead's favourite guard dog. Cerberus is a giant, and I mean giant, three-headed dog. He has a serpent for a tail, but also has them all over the rest of his body, he lived at the door of the Greek underworld, guarding the river Styx in which you were ferried down to your judgement in Hades. No mortal was allowed to leave the underworld, and it was his job to make sure you didn't. With only one exception, but the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice, one of my favourites, is another one that I will leave for now. 
Heracles captured Cerberus in one of two ways that are debated. One is that he squeezed Cerberus's head with the Nemean lion's hide until he submitted, and another is that he had to fight Hades for the right to borrow him. In this version, he wounds Hades with a normal arrow, and Persephone, queen of the underworld, and technically Heracles' half-sister, gives him Cerberus in chains. He drags Cerberus to Eurystheus, who is so shocked to see the massive chthonic dog, and tells him to return him, but Cerberus actually manages to escape back to the underworld himself. Cerberus is used within so many myths, and is one of my favourite named monsters, so we'll definitely be doing an episode on the best underworld doggy sometime soon. A last hurrah is to mention a very important monster throughout Heracles' labours, the centaur. He had assistance from at least two centaurs throughout his labours. These half-men, half-horse creatures are exceptionally wise, ruthless, and quick to anger. Both of these companions, Chiron and Pholus, died after the fourth labour, when another centaur, Nessus, attacked them. Chiron was accidentally struck with Heracles' poison arrow, and Pholus, who went to investigate, dropped it on his own foot, killing him too. It's so dumb, it's just a little bit funny. But anyway, Nessus was eventually killed by Heracles too, but not before Nessus could also bring Heracles down with him. Years later, when Heracles had remarried for his second wife, Nessus tried to rape her, and so Heracles shot Nessus with one of his poisoned arrows. In his dying breaths, the centaur gave Heracles' wife his bloodied cloak, telling her that it would revive waning love. Then, when Heracles looked like he was going to leave her, she gave him the cloak and the poisoned blood of Nessus, melted all of his skin from his bones, and killed him, ascending him to Olympus in death. The end. That is legitimately the end of Heracles, and the end of the myth, I suppose. I did do an episode on centaurs, by the way. It goes more in-depth with Chiron and Pholus, if you're interested, so do check it out if you are but that's the end of the labours, if you can believe it, and all of the monsters with them too. Now, onto modern media. There are absolutely loads of things that depict Heracles in his labours, so I've picked out the most popular, and I'm sorry if your favourite didn't make the cut. For art, check out all of these portraits. Heracles' Fight with the Nemean Lion by Peter Paul Rubens. Heracles and the Linnaean Hydra from 1964 by Gustav Moru. Hercules capturing the Cyrenaean Hind by Lucas Crunch the Elder, Heracles and the Iromanthian Boar by Francisco de Zuberan from 1634, Heracles killing the Stymphalian Birds by Albrecht Dürer from 1500, Heracles forces the Cretan Bull to the ground by B. Picard from 1731, John Baptiste Marie Pierre's Diomedes, King of Thrace, killed by Heracles and devoured by his own horses from 1752, and Heracles and Cerberus by Peter Paul Rubens from 1636. For some amazing portraits, they are all very beautiful. In movies, we have Hercules from 1983, 1995, 2005 and 2014, all different films, Disney's Hercules, Enchanted Tales Hercules, Hercules in New York, Immortal, Jason and the Argonauts, The Three Stooges Meet Hercules, The Warrior's Husband, The Adventures of Hercules, Young Hercules, and Thor Love and Thunder. For TV, we have Hercules the Animated Series, The Mighty Hercules, Space Sentinels, One Piece, The Freedom Force, 
Hercules The Legendary Journeys, Young Hercules, Hercules, Class of the Titans, Once Upon a Time, DuckTales and Atlantis. In video games, we have ones such as Hades, Disney's Hercules, Smite, God of War Ascension, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Civilization VI, God of War III, Dragon Fable, Rise of the Argonauts, Empire Earth, World of Warcraft, Heracles, Battle with the Gods, Fate slash Stay Night, Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, Herc's Adventures, Glory of Hercules, Hercules No Echo, The Return of Hercules, Kingdom Hearts, Age of Mythology, Immortals, Phoenix Rising, Scribblenauts Unleashed, and Zeus, Master of Olympus. Now, my book recommendation this week is to check out The Twelve Labours of Hercules by Joe Corcoran for the actual myth in much higher detail, or any version of The Twelve Labours, I suppose. Or you can look at my favourite for Greek myths, which is Greek Myths Meet the Heroes, Gods and Monsters of Ancient Greece by Jean Menzies. But now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Now, it's a bit of a weird one for this, because there are so many to cover. So I think I'll take a different stance with this question this time and ask, how plausible is the myth and the monsters within it? Well, the problem with this whole setup is that Heracles is the son of the chief god of this ancient civilization, and so already has an unfair advantage throughout his life, let alone in the labours. He also continuously gets help from other beings or gods throughout. How they didn't notice that he got help from pretty much everyone I'm like, that's fine, we'll only discount two of them. It's beyond me. So did he complete many of the labours? I don't know, I'm not too sure. Also, I feel bad for the monsters in a lot of these tellings. They are just minding their own business and this bloke comes along and kills them for no reason. Like, what was the Hydra doing to annoy Hera so much? And they've not had a chance to procreate a lot of the time either, so their species is practically erased from history. Although... I can't say I'm not thankful that the Linnaean Hydra didn't procreate, but who says that snakes aren't descended from him? We just don't know. This myth, though, in summary, is asking who is the monster. Is it Heracles going about killing everything, including his wife and children? Or is it Hera, who defines hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, who tortured not only the monsters in this story, but Heracles himself, only to allow him into Olympus on his death? The age-old question of who is the monster and who is the man is perfect for this myth, and I love it. It is one of my absolute favourites. I also will say I loved Disney's Hercules as a kid, like unbelievably so. I was just a bit too young in 97 to see it at the movies, but once we had it on VHS, I was unstoppable. It still really holds up as the reason as to why I love mythology so much, and it still holds 25 years later, that movie. I watched it recently as I did a guest spot talking about this, so it should be out soon. I will let you know as soon as the details are available. But what do you think about these monsters? Would you have been able to tackle these labours yourself? Do you think that he actually did them? Let me know on Twitter. I would love to know what you think. I really enjoyed this episode. It's something a little different, and I really love some of the monsters within this myth. So it's a joy to talk about them, even if I already have in their own episode. It's so nice to cover them again, as I did their episode so long ago. It's really fun to bring them up again with fresh eyes, and definitely a different perspective on how I write and record these episodes. Next week, though, we're heading over to Canada for, I think, the first time, 
and we're looking at a pretty famous political water beast that could be called Canada's Nessie. It's the Mugwump. Get your flippers on and keep an eye out for this soggy cryptid next Thursday. For now though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky, and I'll see you later, babes. <laughs>